Welcome into the show today, guys, and we're not going to waste any time today on Fantasy MLB today. We're going to bring you in our guests right off the top. We're really pleased to be joined by Scott Bogman of In This League. You guys know him from the In This League podcasting network. He does baseball, basketball, football. You do pretty much everything, right, Scott? No more basketball, which is, I know, very upsetting to our buddy Dan Bespris. Uh, no no more basketball for me, but yeah, I'm, I'm sticking to baseball and football and college football right now. So, um, But yeah, I could talk whatever. Okay, it's good to know. Uh, you guys can find him on Twitter at Bogman Sports, and you guys are here for baseball. So today we're going to be going over a few names of guys who have been overperforming to start the year and a couple of guys who haven't been quite up to par. And we're just going to talk about how we think those guys will perform going forward. So let's start off with Owen Miller of the Cleveland Guardians. How do you feel about him going forward? Uh, I feel pretty good about Owen Miller. Uh, he started out great. I tried to buy him in a couple of uh, NFBC leagues this week, but I did not spend enough money. Um, I, I'm not going to go out and spend, drop a bunch of fab money on him or trade a player that's struggling now for Owen Miller. But if you have rostered him, uh, then I think you're doing a pretty good job. So uh, I think that... Uh, Owen Miller is uh, pretty good. I think, I think, you know, batting seven for the guardians. I think he's at least going to earn his playing time here is what I'm trying to spit out while I'm tripping over my words. Um, I, I think that he has earned his spot early. And as long as he gets through April fairly clean, he's going to have a lot of ABs, which is great. So, um, you know, I, 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 I like Owen Miller and what he's doing so far. I, I've liked what he's done as well, for sure. Obviously, he's not going to continue to bat 500. I feel like he's someone, uh, if you can sell high on him, try and return someone maybe who can give you like top 100 kind of value throughout the season. I think that's a good uh, good range to be looking at. I don't know if anybody's going to bite on that at this point, but I don't know that he'll continue. Obviously, he's not going to be a top 10 player. I don't think anybody thinks that. No. So uh, he's someone that I would probably try and sell while while the iron is hot at the moment that's just uh a lot of people think he's going to be able to sustain value and i think he'll be pretty good but obviously he's not going to bat 500 so yeah i think the time to sell him will be about a month from now where he has earned that job and if he's still performing and you can still see in your yahoo or your espn or wherever you are that he's high in the the score or you know, the ranking for Yahoo or whatever system you're using, he's going to be like at the top of the page there for a lot of guys. I think that's the time to sell him. If you sell him right now, you're not going to get a lot. So I would hold on for like four to six more weeks, middle of May, end of May. And if he's still, you know, if he's getting specifically, if he's hitting higher in the batting order, I think then it's absolutely time to sell him because, you know, with all young players, it baseball's, you know, the season is long. It's 162 games. You're going to hit uh, bumps. So sell him before he hits his bump and let somebody else deal with him once he uh, he gets there. Yeah, that's a good note about the batting order. The last time they played, they've had a couple of postponements in a row, but he did bat second their last time out. So right. he's earned a bit of trust there. Um, what about Andrew Heaney? How do you feel about Heaney going forward? I'm not doing it. Uh, I, I said this on ITL today. That, uh, look, Andrew Heaney, I've been, I have been the guy on the other end, uh, of Andrew Heaney. I have rostered him, uh, when he played for the Angels and he goes through these spurts where he's excellent for a month and then he falls off or he gets hurt. It's just, you know, it's kind of the story of what Andrew Heaney's career has been up to this point. Now, I will acknowledge that teams, specifically the Dodgers, have taken guys off the scrap heap from other, teams and completely turn them around. You know, Max Muncy was a castaway from Oakland. Chris Taylor was a, you know, end of the bench guy in Seattle. And these guys are now stars. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that this could be the turnaround that we've been waiting to see for Andrew Heaney, but I am not, I'm not going to buy it. So if he has a great month, a first month here, a great first couple months, Whenever you feel like he is hitting his peak, I am absolutely dealing him. So I, I'm not going to be swindled by Andrew Heaney again. I'm not going to let him do it to me again. He's done it to me too many times. I have uh, PTSD from him already. <laughs> I think you could maybe argue that he hit his peak in that start against uh, Cincinnati. Yeah. 
Yeah, that probably, might have been his his absolute peak. So yeah, that might be as good as you're ever going to see him. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, it just might be. Uh, another guy in that in a similar kind of category as Heaney, I think, is Dylan Bundy. Uh, maybe fooling a couple people this year. A couple of good starts to start off the year, but also someone with an iffy track record. Are you buying into the hype of Dylan Bundy? Not even a little. No, yeah. I mean, look. Uh, once upon a time, Dylan Bundy was a huge prospect, and you know, I think in what is it, 2018, he had a ton of strikeouts. He had a nice little three-year window there. Um, you know, 100 and uh, what was that? 152 Ks in 2017, 184 in 18, 162 in 19. But playing for the awful Orioles, the seven and 14, eight and 16, 13 and nine. So, um, you know, the the Twins are better. And he's off to a real nice start, but I'm not going to believe that his ERA is all of a sudden going to drop below three when his career is over four and a half. And last year was up over six. So pass on Dylan Bundy for me. Yeah, absolutely. I agree there. Let's keep him coming. Jesus Sanchez. How do you feel about Jesus Sanchez? Mm, I've got a lot invested in Jesus Sanchez. (laughs) So uh, I like this start right now. Um, But I mean, you know, Jesus Sanchez is there's, a million of this guy in the league at this point, a guy that's going to hit probably somewhere around 250. He's going to hit 20, 25 homers and, uh, you know, playing for the Marlins, probably not going to drive in a hundred or score a hundred, probably going to be closer to 75, 75. So for where you purchased him this year, uh, in your auction or drafted him in your drafts, he is, uh, a good return. I don't think you're going to get anything great for him. Even if you were to trade him at his tippy top. So I think this is a guy that you just, leave on your roster and you enjoy the return on investment. And he, there's another guy that uh, has a lot of holes in his bat. So he is going to strike out a bunch. Um, but um, he's, he is severely outperforming his draft, right? His, his draft cost right now. So just enjoy it while we have it. Yeah, I, I agree there. Uh, most of the leagues that I play are not typically auction leagues. I just mostly, uh, have played, especially in the past, just Yahoo, ESPN, uh, wait, typical waiver wire leagues. And most of those yeah. leagues, I think it's worth taking a shot on him. Uh, even if he doesn't sustain what he's projecting right now the whole year, I think you got to take him while he's hot. And at yeah, for, the hot streak. for a guy with a career uh, of strikeout percentage over 30 to be at 16.7 right now, I just don't think that's going to last. Also, he'll walk more. He's at 2.8% uh, walk um percentage right now and his career is uh closer you know it's up up around eight so uh he's gonna walk more but he's gonna strike out more too but uh when he's swinging the bat and he's hitting 343 driving and runs hitting bombs we like that yeah we'll we'll take it for now for sure those are some of the guys who are overperforming let's talk about a couple of guys who have been underperforming starting with freddie peralta how are you feeling about peralta so far yeah look um it's been rough for Freddie Peralta, but what are you going to do? You can't trade him because you're not going to get back nearly what you paid for him. So that is just not even close to being an option. So for right now, you just stick with Freddie and hope that he comes out of it. And I think he will. He's too talented of a pitcher to be down in the dumps for too long. So I would guess the next starter two uh, should be much, much improved for him and to get him right back on track. So I'm not worried even a little bit about Freddie. He's on the road against Philadelphia next time out. Not maybe not the greatest place to uh, get back is, to form. It is a shoebox, Citizen yeah. Bank. So it is very very small. But uh, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of strikeouts in that lineup too. So I, I think he could look good. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, another pitcher from my hometown team, the Blue Jays, who has struggled. Jose Barrios. How do you think Barrios will fare going forward? Dude, I got a thing, and I think you'll be with me. He had to have been tipping that first start, right? I mean, they were on everything. He got barely any swings and, and whiffs, and all that stuff. So uh, I'm not even a little worried about Jose Barrios. This is a long season, guys. Like, uh, this is if if you're newer to fantasy baseball, you know, guys that struggle out out the box. Look, some of them are going to have year long struggles, right? But these guys at the tippy top, the Barrioses, the Freddie Peraltas, I just I am absolutely not hitting the panic button. If if you don't like what you saw from a guy like this, then you wait until he has two, three good starts in a row, and then you trade him because you'll at least get back 75 cents on the dollar, but you can't trade him when they're at their low. Um, if you want to bench them, I'm also okay with that. 
not, you know, especially if you're in a weekly league and you're like, well, I just can't take this guy's ruining my ERA for the whole week. I get it, but I'm not even a little bit worried about Jose Barrios either. Are there any big name pitchers? I know you just said you're not going to be panicking, but are there any other big name guys who've struggled that you're really worried about? Not really. I know that Zach Wheeler has lost a little bit of velocity. So that is, that is something that you, you don't take with a grain of salt. You actually sit and look at, but also this being a weird year and, and, you know, the Welsh mentioned uh, on our last in this league show that, Hey, look, you know, we can't use this the whole year of this excuse of, you know, spring training started late. But let's not forget, like, Spring training did start late this year, right? So a lot of these guys go through dead arm. I mean, Zach Granke, me being a Diamondbacks fan, Zach Granke freaky years is a guy that, you know, his fastball, he wouldn't burn it in anyway. He's topping out around 92 or whatever, but he was hitting like 84 and 86 his first couple starts in spring training and everyone would freak out and then he would be okay. So Wheeler, Wheeler's velocity is a little bit more concerning because he is a guy that depends on that velocity. You know, he, you can't sit at 92 and be successful with what he has. So, uh, but I'm also, I'm not too uh, like, it's worrisome, but I'm like a five out of 10. I'm not a seven out of 10 or eight out of 10 or any of that stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm more worried that he's playing hurt and trying to hide it. That would be, Mm my concern for a, a guy like Zach Wheeler is that he's playing hurt and he's trying to, to hide it rather than he's going to lose it. Cause guys go through dead arm, you know, and I know it's been three years in a row that we've had a weird off season. We had COVID in 2020. We had the COVID off season and testing during 2021 and then the lockout this year. So it is three years in a row that have been weird, but um, you know, I'm, I don't think it's so much an excuse as it could be a reason. So, it could be an excuse if he doesn't pick up that uh, that velocity in the next couple starts. I think with every start that he doesn't pick up that velocity, I'm going to add a point to that five out of ten. You know, it's going to be six out of ten, seven out of ten. If he doesn't do it by eight starts, holy crap! You know, uh, th- that's going to be really, really nerve wracking. So he's the only one that I have like legit concern about in terms of starting pitchers so far. Shane Bieber, I think, might have been a few miles below his usual as well. And I think people were actually calling him. People were saying uh, as a joke that when they drafted him, they got a fancy Zach Grinke this year as opposed <laughs> to uh, who they thought they were getting in Shane Bieber. So I thought that was kind of funny. I'm not really too worried about him, but he did have some shoulder stuff going on as well. So maybe a little bit worried about Bieber. Yeah, that, that and that's fair. Um, I just, you know, he's coming off more stuff too. I mean, yeah. Zach Wheeler's coming off a great year. Bieber's coming off of more stuff. So uh, I think the reason I'm not panicking about Bieber is because I am a zero shares of Shane Bieber. I don't have him <laughs> rostered anywhere. So uh, if I did have him rostered, I probably would be a little bit more worried, but I just don't have him anywhere. And I have Wheeler in many spots. So uh, like at least three or four. So um, I'm just not too concerned about either one of these guys. It could be a dead arm thing. It could be playing with an injury. So um, I hope it's not. I hope it's just, um, you know, uh, it's not the injury thing. It's more the dead arm thing and kind of getting back into playing strength and all that stuff. But uh, well, I think the, both these guys will be able to tell by the end of the month. If they're not getting right by the end of the month, now you got to be very, very concerned. Yeah, that makes sense. And what you say is true, the spring training. And it's people really do forget that there was – not really much baseball activity. Like I think it was Kershaw who said he didn't throw at all in the off season. And I think that's fairly common for pitchers to just not throw at all. So they really only had a couple of weeks there. And I, I think it was Kershaw again, who said he hadn't even really thrown to live batters much before he, uh, and he went out with and almost had a perfect game, you yeah. know, that was nuts. And, yeah. And a lot of these guys, I mean, Jesus, Fernando Tatis didn't even know he broke his wrist until he showed up, you know, it's like, well, it kind of hurt when I fell off my motorcycle or whatever, but yeah. And then, Oh God, the other day when he was doing the soccer before the game and then fell directly on his wrist and everyone in the fantasy industry went, <gasps> you know, like, what are you doing? Don't let this guy play soccer. Just put him in a bubble. He needs to be like Jake Zillenhall in that bubble boy movie. So, uh, you know, uh, keep your fingers crossed for that. But, um, yeah, I, I think there is, there's enough of the there's enough of these guys that have concerns that it almost has to be linked towards starting spring training late. Yeah, there's one or two batters I wanted to get over. We talked a lot about pitching. Uh, 
Marcus Semien has really got off to a slow start with the Rangers. Do you feel that last year was just such an outlier that he's obviously just going to come back to earth now? Or do you feel like he's declining? What, what do you think is going on there? Well, Simeon has done this to, to us before, right? Like he had the 27 and 10 in 2016 and then the entry plague 2017. Uh, he had uh, 33 and 10 in 2019. And then uh, he hit 223 in 2020, which, you know, a lot of people are willing to, you know, wipe away as the COVID year. This seems yeah. like his other year, though. You know, it's like you have that tippy top great year. I don't think anyone was expecting 45 and 15 again from him. But, you know, adjusting, it, it's, it's not just uh, adjusting to a new ballpark. It's adjusting to a new locker room, a new city, new teammates, a new travel schedule, a new workout schedule. Like there's a lot of adjusting for guys that move from one team to another. Uh, so that could be positive in, in guys like, you know, we mentioned the LA guys like Chris Taylor, Max Muncie, uh, Andrew Heaney potentially could be one of those guys. It's positive for a lot of guys. Some guys just take a little while to get back into the swing of things. So, um, I don't really know what, um, is causing these struggles for Marcus Simeon. I'll say that his walk rates a little bit lower um, than normal, but his K rate is a little bit lower than normal too. So I think he's seeing the ball. Okay. Probably just getting fairly unlucky as his bat is 161 right now. And his career is 290. So I think there's just a little bit of bad luck there coupled with, you know, just getting into a new routine with new, uh, a new team and all that stuff. Um, no, you shouldn't expect 45 and 15. No one should have, because if anyone expected that, he would have been a first round pick. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, this is a guy that was firmly going in the third, you know, second and third. So, um, I'm not too worried. It's just a little, it's just too early for me to be worried. I, you know, um, I would say I'm like a three out of 10 on Simeon. Okay. Uh, there's just one more guy who I'm not really too worried about because he's so young still, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. He's come up and. He was drafted really high in a lot of cases this year, and he's not performed particularly well. How long do you think it'll take him? Do you think it'll be similar to like a Vlad Guerrero kind of thing where it takes a year or two, or do you think he'll figure it out this year? No, I think he'll figure it out this year. Um, you know, you just hope he's not one of those king of spring training guys, you know, that's hitting bombs and those long doubles and everything off of dudes that are, you know, selling car insurance now and all that crap. So um, I don't think he's one of those guys. I think he's legit. I mean, number one prospect. So, um, you know, anytime a rookie struggles, it it is a little bit worrisome, but you know, there's less reason to move these guys down, especially when you started him at the big league level um, for a guy like Bobby Witt for Julio Rodriguez, who has also been struggling and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm going to start getting worried when they move to the dead bottom of the lineup nine and then start getting replaced like uh, late in games or a clutch spot, stuff like that. Right. But these guys are such big headliners. If you struggle for a couple weeks, it's not that big a deal. Struggle for a month. It starts to get more, but like, you know, the, the little bit I'm worried about Simeon, I probably ticked that up a little bit. So instead of three, probably a four on Bobby Witt, probably close to a five on Julio, just because he has looked so bad. But I mean, and I talked about this on leading off and on ITL, someone put out like a compilation of the cold, uh, strikeouts for Julio Rodriguez. I saw it, that. Yeah. It's like 11 and two should have been strikeouts. Right. Yeah, I mean, bad. yeah, bad. this, this earn it crap from these umpires. I mean, this is the reason why we're going to have robo umpires the next few years, you know, is because of this nonsense right here. So, um, you know, it's really a little bit too early to worry about anyone that doesn't have a physical thing, a velocity thing or an injury uh, right now. I think, and going back to the umpire thing, uh, as like I said, as a Jays fan, that Oakland game, I'm sure you saw that umpire scorecard going around that Oakland game. Uh, I think it was Saturday where I think there was 27 pitches called incorrectly throughout the course of the game. I think it was Jeff Nelson behind the plate. It was awful. So yeah, I think the robo umps are sooner than later, most likely. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. You know, you, you never thought we'd miss Joe West. Right. Uh, in his retirement. But when we're getting 26 missed pitches, you know, that's the reason why those guys stick around so long is because they are actually good at their job, even though, you know, I mean, 
it probably applies to everyone not named Angel Hernandez, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Angel Hernandez. I remember sitting in, in um, 1998 at Chase Field, back then called Bank One Ballpark, and watching a home run get called a foul ball by Angel Hernandez and losing my mind. And I, I didn't know, I didn't know any umpires names at that point because I was like 15. Uh, but I started to learn and I'm like, I know I don't like Angel. That was like the first guy I knew I didn't like. Um, but, uh, you know, all, all these old names, uh, I don't know. They're, they're, they're going to stick around for a while because these guys are like, they're like professors at colleges. They have tenure and they can't get fired. So, um, you know, uh, it's just something we have to deal with. And also, look, the umpires miss a lot of spring training too, right? So yeah. uh, it, it's it's not just the players. Every Everyone is on board for some struggles early. So hopefully everything will get straightened out by the time May rolls around here. I'm assuming that home run, there was just nothing to be done about it. And no replay. Right? No there replay no, at that point. There was no yeah. umpire conference or whatever. No, no, no. They, I mean, they, they did it. But, you know, at that point, you just always go with whoever makes the call. So, yeah. uh, and I just, I remember losing my mind uh, about it. So, uh, I can't, God, I can't remember who it was. It might've been Brent Breedy or Travis Lee. No, I can't, I can't remember who it was. To be honest. It might've been Jorge Fabregas. Uh, I, I have no idea. It was a 1998 diamondback. So it was well over 20 years ago. So uh, just before their, their prime there or just oh, yeah. entering in, just entering into it. I will just one last thing I'll say about the top prospect thing. I think the way that Jared Kalanick performed last year and Alex Kirilov kind of scared some people off of these prospects a little bit. Very it scared me a little bit. Yeah. It scared me a little bit. So I'm not too worried, but uh, I'm definitely have that in the back of my head that, and it, I mean, Kalanick even this year looks brutal from so far. Like, he's Yeah. Brutal. And some of those guys get up and, and, you know, you can't hit on every top prospect, right? So some of yeah. them you, you realize pretty quickly are quad a prospects and not major league prospects, you know? So, yeah. uh, and they'll spend a big chunk of their career between both, uh, w- which is not fun, but um, I don't know. It's uh, Julio's way too talented uh, to be this bad. And like we just mentioned with the, the called third strikes, like as soon as, um, as soon as he starts uh, knocking a couple of those out, He'll start getting better calls and correct calls. And hopefully just later in the season, the calls will be better as well. So um, not too worried about these guys yet, but with rookies, like I said, you tick it up a little bit versus the veterans, because if they don't perform, perform fast, they're going to get sent back down and then, you know, let them, let them struggle in triple a, not in a major league lineup. So it's understandable to be a little bit worried. We are talking here with Scott Bogman. You can find him on Twitter at Bogman Sports, and he is one half of the In This League podcast network channel. I'm not sure. How, do you guys refer to it as a network or how does network? It, yeah, network. You, they are, have you covered for like we were talking about off the top, pretty much everything outside of basketball. Unfortunately, no longer, <laughs> but pretty much everything else. You guys can uh, take them take a look there at Bogman Sports uh, on Twitter. Scott, thank you so much for coming on today. I had a great time chatting with you. And we hope to have you on again in the future at some point. Of course. Yeah. And uh, appreciate you having me on, Joe. And, uh, you know, just like tell Dan and Aaron that they love me and that I, I will talk to them very, very soon. So thanks for having me on, my friend. They're both very good guys and they've helped me out quite a bit in this process. So uh, definitely, definitely great guys. Thanks again, Scott. You got it. Thanks, man. Scott Bogman, guys. Really great guy having him on. Really knowledgeable across a ton of different sports. Uh, something that I appreciate being someone who's a fan of pretty much every sport. So it was really great having him on. Uh, we hope to have him on again at some point down the line. Now we did take up a good portion of our show today on that segment. So we're going to not waste any more time. We'll get into the recapping of yesterday's slate, which was a 17-game slate. So we will need to start diving into it. The first game we'll go into is the first head of the doubleheader between the Diamondbacks and the Nationals. We did have a Nationals victory, a 6-1 victory. Josiah Gray was very good. Uh, he did give up a home run, but five and a third, three hits. Uh, he only gave up the one, and he struck out a very good line from him. He's someone who I believe should be added in just about every league. Uh, on the other side, Madison Bumgarner actually had a pretty decent start of his own. Five innings, two hits. Uh, he did give up two runs. Neither of them were earned, and he struck out five, while also walking four. So there is a bit of good with bad in that outing. He didn't hurt your ERA. 
And, but, you know, he's not been bad this year, Bumgarner. He's been pretty good, actually. In 13 innings, his ERA is 139. Now, I wouldn't expect that to continue, but that's what it is at this point. So maybe he's a guy you can crack a little bit of a sell high on. I, I, I know not many people are going to be biting at this point of the year in terms of uh, buying low and selling high. But it doesn't mean you can't send out an offer and see what you get back. If someone looking at Bumgarner in the rankings and looking at the ERA, you might be able to pry some value there. Let's move on to the second leg of the doubleheader. And Joanna Doan really had a great outing, someone I'm not really too familiar with. I don't know a lot about the guy. Uh, I, I'm probably butchering his name. But six in the third, three hits, didn't give up any runs. He struck out five. Very serviceable outing, granted against a, a piss-poor Diamondbacks team, right? No one's There's no two ways about it. The team can't hit. They're a great target in terms of daily fantasy stuff pretty much every day. Uh, and in the season-long stuff in terms of streaming as well. Not that I would have gone up and gone and picked up a Don before yesterday, but if you did or if you have him in deeper leagues or whatever, he did return value for you there. Tyler Gilbert uh, started against him here in the second half. Five and two-thirds, three hits, one earned run, three strikeouts. Uh, not a bad outing. Uh, he was playing against a fairly poor team in the Nationals. I'm just going to leave him on the waiver wire for now. I'm not going to do anything about that one. Uh, let's talk about the first leg of the Mets and the Giants. And not great from Tyler McGill. Uh, he was he was okay. He uh, he was down a couple miles an hour um, for whatever reason. He wasn't dominant like he was in the first two outings. He still got through six innings, struck out four, gave up four runs, two walks, and he did give up the home run to uh, Jock Peterson. Not the greatest of outings from him, but if this is like the, a bad outing from him, then you know you can live with that. It's not like a, a bad. What we have from you, Darvish, the other night, nine runs over an inning and two-thirds, kind of bad outing. So you can make up this kind of, uh, if he gave you this outing this week, he's not going to tank your ERA or anything like that. You, you'd you hope for better, but not ideal out of him for sure. Alex Cobb went six innings himself, and Alex Cobb, I believe, has been placed on the injured list this morning. Yeah, he had a groin injury. It's an adductor injury, and he's been put on the 10-day IL. So he went four and a third, six hits. Uh, three earned runs, four strikeouts. He's someone who I liked coming into the year. I liked what the Giants do with pretty much every pitcher that comes across their comes onto their pitching staff. It's it's a shame he's gone on the IL now, but you're not going to be dropping him. I wouldn't recommend dropping him. I'd hold on. Uh, you're going to see how long it's going to take for him to come back. Hopefully, he stays on for just the minimum ten days, and then you get him back, and you still have the whole season ahead of you there. Some people have dropped him, but I do not recommend going ahead and doing that. It doesn't make sense to me. Let's go into the second half here. And we had Max Scherzer in vintage Max Scherzer mode. Seven innings pitched. Gave up just one hit, one earned run. Struck out 10 and walked three. And he was the first pitcher to eclipse 100 pitches for the year in one outing. He threw 102 pitches. And it took, what are we, just about two weeks now into the season. I understand it. Um you guys are going to see a lot more of that going forward, uh, hopefully anyway, more guys going into the hundreds. I'd like to see some starters actually pitch deep into games. It'd be nice to see a complete game or two throughout the year. I don't know about you guys. I like to see a guy dominate over the course of an entire game and, you know, the bullpen gets a break that day. I'm, I was a pitcher when I played baseball, and I love a good pitching performance, and I hate when pitchers get pulled prematurely. So it's good to see that he's hit 100 pitches, and hopefully we're starting to ramp into that direction not just for Scherzer, but for, for everybody, you know, for all those top-level arms that you're hoping to get your seven innings out of. On the other side, we had Logan Webb. Not very impressive. Someone who, again, you're still holding on to because I think that he can be impressive as the season goes on. Six innings, three earned runs. Just struck out one and walked three. Uh, he had a fantastic outing in his first game of the season. So, again, there's no move to be made here with Logan. I would hold on to him. Uh, don't be panic-dropping because he had a bit of a bad outing. None of that stuff. You just wait, and you hope it'll get better. Let's go on to the Yankees and the Tigers, and another rough Garrett Cole outing. An inning and two-thirds, he gave up just one hit, but he walked five, and he only struck out three while giving up two earned runs. <clears throat> really concerning stuff from Garrett Cole. Someone asked me on Twitter this morning, should they accept, um, should they trade away Garrett Cole for Tyler O'Neill? I think was the question. Uh, that was that was generally the question. Just uh, got offered Garrett Cole for Tyler O'Neill, and 
on the surface, I'd say, yes, you should take a deal like that. He will figure it out as the year goes on. I really like Tyler O'Neill, and I think that he's going to be a fantastic player. So I don't think it's, a, it's like a horribly lopsided swap. But it, it's definitely concerning what we've seen so far to Garrett Cole. So if you're trying to sell him, and you're, <clears throat> I would maybe aim a little bit higher than Tyler O'Neill if you're going to sell him. But I don't know, man. It's been tough. It's been really, really tough. And you'd use the first-round pick on him if you have Garrett Cole on your team. You kind of just have to hold on and hope that the value turns around. Because if you're giving up one of your first-round picks for Tyler O'Neill, who is going much, much lower than that, then you're losing out on potentially quite a bit of value as the season goes on. It's 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 not great, guys. It's not great. Um you kind of just have to hold. Let's move on to the Tigers' side. Uh, Tyler Alexander just got through one inning. Uh, he gave up two runs. Both of them earned. Um, sorry, neither of them were earned, actually. Neither of them were earned. He walked two guys, uh, gave up just one hit, struck out two, and then he was pulled, and it was a more of a bullpen day for the Tigers after that. Uh, no fantasy moves here on either side in terms of the pitching. But uh, one thing to keep in mind, Aroldis Chapman did get the save, but I believe he's topping out around 94, 95 for the year. Um, obviously someone who's capable of throwing 100 miles an hour when healthy. So something to keep an eye on there. That might be a sign of decline for Aroldis. And before long, it might be this might be a real bad story for him. He's had in the past really rough patches. Even this year already, he had a couple of games in a row where he was kind of rough. I think it was the Blue Jays and the Orioles there. He had a couple of bad outings in a row. So I'm going to keep an eye on for sure. If, uh, if this continues, even if he keeps getting saves, I might try and think about selling him. As much as I like the guy, I might try and think about selling if that velocity doesn't get back up soon. Let's keep it going here with the Cardinals and the Marlins. Jesus Lazardo uh, was not great. Four and a third. He gave up five runs. Four of them were earned. Three strikeouts and two walks. Maybe you were able to sell high on him. Um... Uh, after that first outing in my friend league, uh, the one that I play that's more just for fun, Jesus Lazardo was sold high in a package that involved Corbin Burns coming back. I think Zach Wheeler was also involved in the trade. But, you know, you can you can milk sometimes, and I know that's a friend league. It's not like a seriously high, uh, the buy-in is pretty low. So it's more of a fun league. But, you know, it shows you people do think along the lines of early start equals this is how people are going to be for the year. So if you were able to sell high, congratulations. Now that window is probably closed on you. The ERA for the year is returned to 482 after two starts, unfortunately. Really great first outing, but uh, he just didn't have it here as much. Still didn't give up any long balls and not a lot of walks, but the strikeout number was alarmingly lower than it was in the first game. So not fantastic out of Lazardo for sure, but you're obviously not dropping him. You're holding him and seeing um, seeing what happens. Adam Wainwright on the other side, I think I think I've been hesitating a little bit to say it, but I think he's here for one final signature Wainwright season. He went five and two thirds, five hits, just gave up one run and struck out six. He is currently through three games, sitting at a two eighty one ERA. It's fairly early to be judging that kind of thing. 19 strikeouts over 16 innings. The whip is maybe a touch high, but you have to be really happy with what you're seeing so far from Adam Wainwright. Uh, I drafted him in a couple of leagues, and I'm really happy, especially because he didn't cost very much. No one was expecting him to do this again. Same thing as last year. People weren't expecting him to be very good, so he was either a late draft pick or maybe even someone who you got on waiver wires last year because there was really no hype around him at all going into last year, especially coming off the pandemic season. And then he was, I think he got Cy Young votes last year. He was not not like a high ballot guy, but I think he was somewhere in the lower part of the top 10 in Cy Young balloting. You know, he has potential to do that again this year. I think he'll probably retire after this year, although who knows if he's still able to pitch this well. Maybe he'll just keep going. I wouldn't blame him if he did. Let's move on. We need to cover a lot of ground. We have the Rays and the Cubbies as the next game, and it was a 6-5 Rays win. Matt Weiser was the starter here, or I should say the opener, uh, he was replaced by Josh Fleming after an inning and two-thirds. Fleming got the win in three and a third, despite giving up three runs, all of them earned. Uh, not really 
too much on the fantasy side there. Andrew Kittredge got another save. Uh, he appears to have the closer job fairly solidified over there in Tampa. They do tend to shake things up, and you can never really predict what Tampa's going to do. But it looks like he's going to be the closer over there. On the other side, Justin Steele was not terribly impressive. Two and two-thirds, he gave up four runs. All of them earned. Only struck out one. Not somebody who's going to be terribly relevant for fantasy. He was probably a, a very low-end stream for yesterday if you used him because he had a couple of promising starts before yesterday. Or maybe it was just the one, actually. Yeah, it was just the one. But he was really good in his first start. Or No, sorry, no, he did have two starts before that, and he was fairly good in both of them. So it was understandable to take a bit of a flyer on him there. Didn't really work out for you, so you can just send him back to the waiver wire today. The Brewers and the Pirates is the next game we will go over, and we had a 5-2 Brewers victory. Corbin Burns, fantastic. He was one of my DFS picks for last night, and he was probably the best play I had uh, on the DFS side last night. Seven innings, he gave up four hits, two earned runs, struck out 10. Did give up a couple of long balls. Uh, was a who was a Josh Van Meter, hit a home run, and Daniel Vogelback hit a home run. So you got to keep that in mind. Uh, I don't think he gave up too, too many home runs last year without looking at it in front of me. I don't think there was too many home runs. Uh, this year he has given up just the three, but I think something to, something to keep an eye on. I'm not worried about him. Uh, Devin Williams, an inning uh, as a hold, hold guy there, and then Josh Hader got the save, his fifth save. On the other side, JT Brubaker, someone I don't recommend using in pretty much any situation ever. Five innings pitched, two hits, four runs. Only two of them were earned, and he struck out six. So I've seen a lot worse out of him, for sure, in the past. Let's go on to the Blue Jays and the Red Sox, and a pretty sad outing for the Blue Jays. Only three hits from, from the Red Sox, and they still were able to pull away with a victory. Yusei Kikuchi was pretty solid. Over five innings, gave up three hits, only one earned run, struck out three, and walked three. Definitely better than what we've seen. And maybe, you know, uh, Pete Walker will have that Pete Walker effect on him and really uh, really transition him this year. He had a really rough second half last year. He did start out the year as an all-star, but he finished off fairly rough. So we'll see if he can um, – we'll see if Pete Walker can kind of fix a couple things there and see what can happen going forward. I don't love Kikuchi, but I understand taking a shot in deeper leagues just based on maybe um, – Shades of Robbie Ray, people might be seeing. And I know it's kind of ridiculous to compare the two at the moment, but a left-handed guy who was not terribly successful in other places, had a bit of success, but not terribly successful uh, coming to Toronto. So I understand that people might think that there's a chance Kikuchi could be the next Robbie Ray. Uh, I I don't think that's going to happen, but I understand people making the comparison. I'm going to pick him up in deeper leagues and standard leagues. I don't think you can really use a roster spot on him there. <clears throat> Nate Eovaldi went four and two-thirds. Uh, gave up seven hits, struck out six, and just a one earned run. He gave up a home run to Zach Collins of the Blue Jays, who's been fairly hot recently. We're just going to be leaving him on the waiver wires for now, though. Uh, not too much otherwise. Uh, Garrett Whitlock did get the save for the Red Sox. And I don't know how much of that we can expect. Uh, first save of the year for him. He's also blown a save. Uh, the Red Sox, it's... You can kind of throw a dart at a few names and guess who's going to be closing games any given day. Uh, not easy to predict over there. Let's keep it going with the Twins and the Royals. We had a 4-3 Royals victory. And we had, uh, is it Carlos? Yeah, Carlos Hernandez. Four and a third innings, eight hits, three earned runs. Didn't strike out a single batter. Not a great outing from him there. Not terrible, but not great. Not someone who's going to be very fantasy relevant. Chris Archer on the other side was was fine. Four and a third, uh, two earned runs, five strikeouts, and walked three. Also not someone with too much fantasy relevance going forward. I think you got to keep an eye on Chris Archer, but I don't think that there's any move to be made at the moment. Let's move on to the Angels and the Astros. And Patrick Sandoval threw a good, a, a, not a great outing, but fairly good. I wish he could have gone a bit longer. Uh, he only threw four innings. And I'm not sure, was it a, a pitching? I didn't see this game personally. Uh, 85 pitches, so maybe they're just you know taking it easy a little bit. Over four innings, that's a fairly high number. Only gave up four hits, one unearned run, and struck out five. I like Patrick Sandoval. Uh, I think he should be on most rosters at this point of the season. On the other side, Framber Valdez struggled mightily. <clears throat> Again, with control. Four walks in this game. He walked five in the previous game. He gave up eight hits and six earned runs. Really going to have a Tough time uh, fixing that ERA so far. It's uh, it's only 450. I thought it'd be worse than 450. 
not great from him. We're holding on to him, but uh, obviously we're holding on to him, but very rough. Not something I like to see is massive control issues at this point in the season. It's certainly not comforting. Let's move on to the Rockies and the Phillies. Uh, Kyle Gibson threw six innings, gave up six hits, three earned runs, struck out three. Still very good. Still, you know, not perfect, but still very serviceable fantasy numbers there, uh, especially pitching in Colorado. So Kyle Gibson should be on pretty much every roster. Uh, Kyle Freeland went uh, as his counterpart today, and I think they have made it official, his uh, his contract. Five years and 60-ish something million Personally, I've never thought much of him. He had one good year a couple of years back. We'll see. I guess they, they see something that I don't. They believe in him there. Um, two earned runs over five innings is fine. I wouldn't really make a play at him in fantasy at the moment. Daniel Bard, again, was able to close out here, his fifth save of the season. And, you know, he's going to be a roller coaster a little bit. Daniel Bard, he'll blow some saves. Uh, he'll lose some games. And there will be times when the ERA is really rough from him. But so far, I've liked what I've seen from Daniel Bard, uh, giving you a win or two, some saves, and he hasn't really hurt you so far. So I, I like what I've seen from him there. Texas and Seattle is the next game we will go over from yesterday. Really a busy slate yesterday with 17 games going on. Quite a bit of ground to cover. A 6-2 Mariners victory, and Robbie Ray was very good. Uh, the strikeout numbers from last year so far have not been there. He was better in the first game. Uh, he had six innings, four hits, uh, two earned runs and struck out four. We haven't seen the Cy Young Robbie Ray from last year yet. Now, in the first outing, he was he was good. Um, but we've seen five strikeouts, four strikeouts, four strikeouts. Over 19 innings, 13 strikeouts from him. That is really uncharacteristic of Robbie Ray. And I worry that people really overdrafted him this year based on last year's success. Really good outing still. Got the win. The strikeouts being that far down are not a comfort to me, for sure. On the Texas side, and we have a slight bit of uh, technical malfunction here. On the Texas side, John Gray. Five innings, uh, not very impressive. He was dropped in a few instances this morning. Five innings, three hits, four earned runs. He struck out four. He gave up a couple of home runs. I'm still holding him for now, but uh, I'm not... Terribly impressed. He was just on the IL. I think it was a blister thing. Not terribly impressed with the early returns, but I'm holding him for now because I think he can do much better than what we've seen. San Diego and Cincinnati is the next game on the slate. And we had Joe Musgrove again showing us why he is one of the better pitchers in baseball now. Six and a third, four hits, two earned runs, struck out seven, and walked one. He did give up a home run, but very good outing. You'll take that. Uh, The home run was a Tommy Pham shot. Uh, Raver St. Martin went on the other side, five and a third. He gave up eight hits, five earned runs, four strikeouts. Nothing to see here, folks, in terms of fantasy there. Uh, Not for St. Martin. Not going to be someone who I don't think you can ever really pick up throughout the season. We'll see what happens. You never really know. But I don't think so. Uh, We'll move on to the Athletics and the Orioles. And on the Orioles side, there's really not much going on, guys. Like, uh, I can't wait until we see Adley Rutschman in the majors and we add another exciting piece to this lineup because there's not too much that's exciting there. Um, they went with Chris Ellis as their starter, and he wasn't bad. Four and a third innings, four hits, no earned runs. He struck out two and walked three, but there's no fantasy move to be made there. Cole Urban on the other side I had used as uh, a DFS guy and as a stream in a couple of instances. And he was pretty good. Five innings, six hits, only one run, and struck out four uh, while walking two. Not bad, right? Not bad for a stream. Uh, against the Orioles, you, you're hoping everybody has a bit of a better outing. But only one earned run over five. You can't really complain too much without being ungrateful. The last game we will cover from yesterday is Atlanta and Los Angeles. We had the Braves. Um, the Braves come away with a win here, three to one. And Max Freed was more the Max Freed that we drafted early on. Seven innings, two hits, no earned runs, struck out eight, and didn't walk anybody. And Kenley Jansen did get the save there for Atlanta. On the Dodger side, Walker Bueller was not his best. Could not find, uh, could not get that form like we'd seen in previous years so far. In any of these starts, really, I haven't been too, too impressed with Walker so far. Five innings, eight hits, three earned runs, only two strikeouts. 
I'm not concerned about him, really. I'm not terribly thrilled. Uh, his ERA is up over four after three outings, and he's someone who's, you know, he's your ace on your fantasy team if you drafted him. So it's a little concerning there for sure. But at the end of the day, there's not a move to be made. You kind of just have to hold on. You're not going to be selling him. Uh, you have to just hope for the best and for the next time out. You know, you might have thought that after a 17-game slate from yesterday, we would have had a bit of a break today. But we're right back at it today with 16 games. There's a White Sox-Guardians doubleheader. So we, let's take a look at every game here. Uh, the first one, we'll just take a look at the pitching matchups. I don't want to run the show too, too long today. Pirates and Brewers, Mitch Keller and Brandon Woodruff. Woodruff, we need to see more out of Woodruff, no question. He's was definitely better in his last outing, but still concerning uh, to see the ERA where it is. We need to see more strikeouts out of him and a better overall performance, especially at home against a poor team here. Uh, great, great DFS option, great Great option for today. Uh, Mitch Keller on the other side, not a recommended play for me. Uh, I'm very rarely I'm ever going to be recommending him. I don't think too much of him as a pitcher. White Sox and Guardians in the first half of their doubleheader will send out Dallas Keuchel and Shane Bieber, respectively. I'm taking Bieber in this matchup. Uh, this was supposed to be yesterday's pitching matchup, and it got pushed back to today. So Bieber, I like here. I talked about it yesterday. Bieber, I really like. Keuchel, not as much in this situation. Uh, their second half will be uh, Lambert and McKenzie, Jimmy Lambert and Tristan McKenzie. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, I really like. Obviously, I've talked about him as being someone I really liked going into the season, and he's been fairly good so far. Uh, Jimmy Lambert, I'm not going to be interested in here in this matchup. I don't think he'll be terrible. The Guardians are not a great team, but I'm not going to be using an ad on him there. Let's move on to the Phillies and the Rockies. Zach Eflin and Herman Marquez. Uh, should be a decent pitching matchup. And, you know, really surprisingly, the Rockies are 8-3. and three. They are, you're hearing this correctly, they are first in the National League West with an 8-3 and three record. So they have been really surprising. Uh, they're not a team that, I mean, they've played quite a bit at home, but they're not a team that you can really uh, target at this point in the year like I thought you'd be able to. So, you know, Marquez is pretty okay. He's not bad. I wouldn't, I'd feel fairly safe using him today. Not... Not great about it because this Phillies team can pop off for more than 10 runs on any given night. And we haven't seen much of that so far. They've been fairly poor, but I'm not, I'm not crazy comfortable using Marquez. Same with Zach Eflin. Kind of a hit or miss guy here, especially at Coors Field. Most of the time, I'm just going to stay away from Coors Field matchups. And if it's a low-scoring game, it's a low-scoring game. But it's better for me to not get burnt, uh, to just avoid it altogether most of the time. Let's move on. Uh, Dodgers and Braves. Charlie Morton and Tony Gonsolin should be a really good pitching matchup here. Both of them should be fairly safe to use. Morton has struggled a little bit this year, but you have to think he'll turn it around at some point. Maybe it won't be against the Dodgers here today. <sighs> I, I have mixed feelings about Charlie Morton. He really is capable of having great seasons, and he's also capable of having real stinkers. It's maybe not the best situation. I wouldn't recommend it as a DFS play. Uh, in terms of a season long, if you have him on your team already, then probably I would deploy him, seeing how your categories are shaping out this week. I probably would play him, but I don't think it's an obvious play uh, because he struggled a bit and he's in Los Angeles. Bottom line is, I'm going to say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll play Charlie Morton. Uh, I'm not going to feel great about it, but at the end of the day, uh, he's one of your better pitchers on your team probably, and you have to figure he'll figure it out eventually. And you gotta hope it's today. So we'll 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 end that thought with yeah. Charlie Morton should be a safe play today. Uh, let's move on to the Reds and the Padres. The Reds have been brutal. They're two and ten this year. We have Mackenzie Gore and Vladimir Gutierrez. I feel much more comfortable with Gore. Gutierrez, not so much. But uh, I haven't been terribly impressed with the Padres' offense. They've been pretty good. I'm not over the moon with their production so far. So I don't mind using Gutierrez. I wouldn't recommend streaming him necessarily, but I don't mind him. Uh, it's tricky in terms of leagues where there's not a very many ads for the week. There might be leagues where you have... I'm in certain leagues where there's only four ads for the week, and I'm in one league where there's ten. It really varies. So if you only have four ads, I don't think you can justify using one of them. On really many of these guys who are going to be pitching today, there's not a ton of great streaming options. 
if you're in a, an unlimited ad week or, a, you know, you get 10 ads or 12 ads of the week and you have a bit more leeway there, then maybe you consider a couple of more borderline guys in that situation. Let's move on here. We have the Orioles and the Athletics at uh, the next game. That starts about 6 o'clock Eastern time. And we have Dalton Jeffries going up against Jordan Lyles. Jeffries has been pretty good so far, and I'd probably feel okay using him here. Uh, iffy, a little bit iffy, but the Orioles don't have much firepower, so I'd feel pretty safe about that. Jordan Lyles, I would stay away from there. Uh, we will move on to the Rays and the Cubs. Drew Rasmussen and Marcus Stroman, I think both of them are okay to use. Uh, a little bit more comfortable with Stroman, but neither one is too confidence-inspiring for me today. The Yankees and the Tigers, Luis Severino is going up against Eduardo Rodriguez. I'd really like to use Severino here in a lot of different uh, cases, and I will be using him in a couple of different leagues uh, and in a DFS lineup. Not in my main DFS lineup, but I think I'll use him in one of them. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is not someone I feel too comfortable about. Really, I'm, it's holding on by a thread in terms of holding him for the year. I don't have much faith that he's going to be able to have great value pitching for the Tigers. Good ballpark to be pitching in, but not a great pitcher to be pitching in that ballpark. Let's move on to the Angels and the Astros. Shohei Otani and Jake Odorizzi. Yeah, yeah, deploy Otani. Uh, not been great, especially not his last outing. But you have to you have to just roll with him. You have to roll with Otani, especially if you drafted him. I mean, he didn't go as high as a pitcher as he did as a batter, but... Still a fairly marquee pick around the top 100 or so. So I feel like you have to kind of roll with him. This is a bit of a tough matchup on the road. But I think overall, I don't I don't have any Otani shares. But if I did, I think I'd be using him here today. Jake Odorizzi, no, I would not be using him. I don't really trust him as far as I could throw the guy. Uh, here we'll get into one guy who's not a terrible stream for today. And that is Miles Mikolas. Mikolas I think it's Mikolas. I should know that one, but I don't. Uh, I think it's Mikolas. <clears throat> He's a decent stream for today. He's about the best guy you're going to find on most wires who actually has a chance of giving you a decent outing today. So far, he's pitched 10 innings. His ERA is a 2-6. Very solid. He's going up against Sandy Alcantara, so it should be a decent pitching matchup. I'd expect Alcantara to perform better, but Mikolas is definitely a decent option uh, if you're thinking you're going to have a tough week in terms of maybe you need to fight for strikeouts early on or whatever. Then he's not a bad guy. He can add you some strikeouts there, and he's going up against not the greatest of teams. So I don't I don't feel wrong about about using an ad on him there. Maybe not in like I said, if you have only four ads for the week, maybe not. Most leagues tend to have about six to eight. I'd feel fairly comfortable using him in uh, in a standard situation like that. If you're just using, maybe you use one ad a day. I feel like he's a decent ad to use for today. The next game we have is Merrill Kelly and Eric Fetty. I really like Merrill Kelly here. He's due to, to get hit a little bit. He's probably going to give up a run or two. But I think overall, uh, it's a great matchup, and it's hard to not buy into that here against the Nationals. The, the Diamondbacks have obviously been brutal. But I feel fairly confident here that he can do it. I feel confident that he can keep it going. And I don't expect perfection. I don't expect zeros necessarily. But I think that there's a decent chance that he is able to keep that streak going. Here's my favorite pitching matchup of the night in this next uh, matchup. Carlos Rodon and Chris Bassett. Two studs, like honestly studs. Both of them in new locations. Both of them settled in beautifully so far. I was going to say especially Rodon, but honestly, especially both of them. They've both been they've both been fantastic. This will be a great pitching matchup. Like every game in this series, great pitching matchup. Obviously, no moves we made. Those guys are both long rostered, long drafted, but it should be a lot of fun. Here, this one might not be so much fun. Chris Paddock and Daniel Lynch going for the Twins and the Royals. This one is probably going to see a lot more runs scored in it. I don't have much faith in either of these guys, so I'd feel okay uh, deploying opponents against them today. Not deploying them, but deploying guys going against them. So, any batters in the Twins and Royals lineups today, I feel a little bit extra confident in. Last game of the day is the Rangers and the Mariners. The Rangers have struggled, man. They've struggled real bad. They're 2-8. and eight. They're going to try and turn it around. They're sending Dane Dunning out there, who's kind of hit or miss. I like him okay. Not crazy about him in this situation. He's going up against Logan Gilbert, who I am crazy about. 
Love Logan Gilbert. He's been fantastic. We were singing his praises a little bit going into the season. He was one of the guys I thought would have a big breakout. The four guys I thought would have really great years were Luke Voigt, Alex Wood, Dalton Varsho, and Logan Gilbert. And we've been okay on those hits so far. Not great on Luke Voigt. Um, everybody else has been pretty okay. So I need Gilbert to continue what he's done so far. Only one walk over 10 innings. And then we will be all right. Uh, he will... I think he's a great guy to deploy in a DFS setting tonight. And with with the games being done, we've gone over the games, let's take a look at DFS. I will get into the ads and the drops on Twitter today because we've gone a little bit long with uh, with having Scott on the show today. We obviously love having Scott on, but we do have to uh, be a little bit quicker in terms of the other stuff we can get to. So the ads and the drops, you guys can find it on Twitter where you usually find it today. We'll just do a quick DFS segment here, and then we will let you guys go. I have Merrill Kelly and Logan Gilbert as my preferred starters tonight. Now, there's obviously, like I've said in the past, you keep pivots, not so much for starters, but keep pivots in case there's matchup information that comes out that you don't like or weather conditions or anything. You know, lineups come out, and it's not as favorable as you were anticipating. So something to keep in mind is always keep a couple of pivot plays, guys who are similar salaried and that you can easily switch out if one of them is sitting so Merrill Kelly and Logan Gilbert are the two guys I have uh, as my starters here facing the Rangers and the Nationals, respectively. I feel fairly safe in both of those matchups. Mitch Garver I have going as my catcher. I have Vladimir Guerrero at first base. Tony Kemp at second. Luis Arreyes at third. Adalberto Mondesi at short. Dalton Varsho in the outfield, along with Juan Soto and Jesse Winker. Those are the guys who I am feeling more confident in today. Uh, there's a couple in particular I feel really good about Kemp, I feel really good about Varsho, and I feel pretty good about Vlad Guerrero too. So we did <clears throat> we didn't have the greatest of days yesterday. Uh, we we hit on some we hit in some instances we hit on Corbin Burns and Cole Irvin pretty well, uh, and then you know Bo Bichette was a tough one and Nick Castellanos was also a tough one. Both returning zeros, it sucked. It was not what I expected. Bichette has really struggled, and Castellanos, I, I was expecting quite a bit more from him yesterday. So it was a disappointment uh, for sure. Whatever uh, we put together yesterday was not going to be winning you any money. Unfortunately, we had a bit of an off day. But we've hit on 8 of 12 of our days here so far. So I'm still fairly confident in what we're doing here. Um, so I'll, I'll just run, run over it one more time. It's Merrill Kelly, Logan Gilbert, Mitch Garver, Vladimir Guerrero, Tony Kemp, Luis Reyes, Adalberto Mondesi, Dalton Varsho, Juan Soto, and Jesse Winker. Feeling really good about that grouping today. We'll let you go there, guys. Um, sorry about the added and drop segment. If you guys really appreciate, if you guys really like that segment, then you guys can go take a look on Twitter. It should be up there uh, by the time you guys have seen this show. Usually, I, I just go over the list that I've posted on Twitter on the show. Uh, today we'll just kind of, we'll just have the Twitter part. And then if you guys have any questions, you guys know where to find me. I'll give you the handles here. It's at Joe Orico 99 at J O E O R R I C O 99. Also a huge thanks to Scott Bogman for coming on today. You guys can find him at Bogman sports. He is obviously one half of the, in this league podcast network. So you guys want to go ahead and give him a follow for pretty much all your fantasy needs going forward. If you guys could go ahead and leave a five-star review there at the bottom of the page, that would be really appreciated as we try and move up the algorithm here on the podcasting app. Great time going over all this stuff. Really busy time in baseball. As the season goes on, there will be more days where there might be a six-game slate or an eight-game slate, and it'll be a little bit more relaxing. We can release the video a little bit later in the day, and it'll be more of a slow pace. We had to go kind of quick because of the guest and because of the heavy slates to go over, 17 games from yesterday, 16 from today. So, I mean, I guess there was a rainout among those 17, so 16 and 16. It's a lot of games to go over, so we'll try. or we're, we're I'll be looking forward to when there's not uh, quite so many games going on at once. It keeps it a little bit easier to track. So, guys, thank you very much for listening to the show today. Uh, tune in tomorrow, and we'll hit you back with the same kind of stuff you can expect, the recap, the look ahead, the DFS, the ads, drops. All that good stuff. My name is Joe Rico, and I hope you guys had a great time listening today. Tune in again tomorrow. Cheers, guys.